You're listening to the System Semi Podcast, episode number 275. Today, we're going to be talking about how to outsource in five simple phases. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency, because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm super, super stoked to have this guest on today because we're talking about outsourcing. And this can feel scary, frustrating, just overwhelming. People have a lot of feelings around this topic. And so I have this guest on today to really simplify, bring it back down and really allow for you to see the benefits and possibilities and awesomeness, to be quite honest, that comes with outsourcing and hiring. So with that being said, Miss Kristen, how are you doing today? Hi, Jordan. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So excited that you're here. So go ahead and tell the folks a little bit about you and your business. Okay. So my name is Kristen Westcott and I am a Canadian. I live in Niagara Falls, so just north of the New York border here. And I started my business off as a director of operations and have transitioned now into providing consulting for business growth and system strategies now. And so I work in the online space with online coaches, copywriters, service providers who have kind of hit that six-figure mark and you know they got to six figures you know they, they got their clients they got their stuff but they did it all without any kind of strategy and on the most part they did it without any kind of systems and then they hit that part where they're starting to things are starting to fall apart now because things are moving so quickly and that's when I get to kind of step in and help support them with building up that backside of their business so that they can really grow and scale. Amen we are a fan of the back end of the business that is our favorite part so you are in the right place obviously. And fun fact, I actually graduated high school from Buffalo, New York. So I'm all too familiar with Niagara Falls on the Canadian side and the American side. So, but with that being said, uh, we're going to be talking about really how to outsource in five simple phases. Okay. So get your notepads ready. And we're going to start with talking about, you know, what have your clients' businesses looked like or been like before they've actually outsourced and maybe even before they thought outsourcing was even possible for them. Yeah. So like I said, I work with people that they've passed that startup phase, right? They've got some clients coming in and the ball is rolling. Either they're coming through referrals or they've dialed in their marketing and things are going great. But now things are coming quickly and they're still having to deliver, right? It's not just onboarding the client, but we actually have to deliver and keep going and keep all the marketing stuff happening. And it tends to be kind of like this snowball effect where once one thing's going well and we add on something else and we add on something else. And before we know it, we've got so many things going on that we are now working seven days a week. Like we've traded a nine to five for like a seven day a week job. And they get to that point where they're like, okay, well, I was okay doing this startup phase, but there's no way I'm going to keep this up. (laughs) There's just no way. This is not what I dreamt of when I decided to run my own business. And so they're really like, they're really flustered. They're really, I hate the word overwhelmed, but like they're in that space where they're just exasperated with where they are. And they're trying to figure out what that next step or that next piece is. And something has just got to give, or they've got to get something together because they just can't keep going the way they've been going. Mm, Yeah. So kind of that, like, 
all right, that was cute for a while. And now let's like actually build a business um, versus just creating another job for myself. So go ahead and start walking us through those five really simple phases that we can start to do if we are hesitantly, you know, ready for outsourcing. Yeah. So like you mentioned, it is a scary thing for a lot of people because they've been doing this all on their own. And, you know, it's kind of like their own baby for a while. And it can be really tough to think that you're at the point where you actually do need to relinquish some of that control to someone else. And so one of the first things I recommend, so in phase one is really kind of getting clear on defining who it is you're looking for. And the first part of that is to go back to your vision for your company and looking at, okay, not just hiring or outsourcing something something for like right now in this moment, but also looking at long-term growth. Like, is this something that I'm going to be doing ongoing? Is this, you know, for example, some people will want to bring in someone to do Facebook ads for a launch or something like that. And then looking at, you know, is this someone that's going to be long-term with my team? Is this a short-term solution? Is this something that's, you know, a plan going forward to grow my business? And really kind of getting clear on where, whatever it is that they're launching or whatever it is they're doing now, what the next step is. And if the person they're going to look to hire is going to fit into that, that iteration of their business. And then the second part of that is revisiting their values. No matter who you bring into your team, whether you're outsourcing something one-off or whether you're going to actually be bringing in somebody to work part-time on your team in like, you know, some sort of fractional capacity, making sure that you are in alignment with your values is really, really important. And I think if 2020 taught us nothing, it really is the importance of letting people know what our values are, where we stand on certain issues and making sure that whoever it is we're going to be bringing into our space to work with our audience shares those values. Yeah, I think that is a good time to revisit, you know, what your values even are, because I think that's something that you do like at the very beginning, and then you kind of ignore it for a while because it's just you and you know your values and you don't really have to express them that often. And so when you think about having a team, yeah, like obviously they should have a value match because if not, then there's going to be missed expectations. There's going to be disappointment and all that stuff just because you're on different pages. So I like that you added that in there as part of the process. So, all right, what is next? So this is still part of like that defining process is actually figuring out what role it is that you need. So I work with a lot of people that, you know, the very first hire they want to hire is a virtual assistant. And that is right for so many businesses, but maybe not right for every business. And so they'll say, I I need a virtual assistant. And then they'll hire that virtual assistant and they will just dump everything on that one person and then wonder why they're not great at all of those things. And so really in this defining phase, you need to look at what is it you actually need to hire out? So I like to have my clients do a little bit of a time audit for them to look at what are they spending their time on in their businesses? What are the tasks that are taking them a lot to do? Or even what are the tasks that are draining their energy? Because when you drain your energy, then you don't have the energy you need to do those tasks that are going to move the revenue forward in your business. And then kind of look at putting those tasks into buckets, right? Like, are these tasks administrative tasks? Are they social media tasks? Are they technical things like the back end of a WordPress blog or something like that? Like really looking at bucketizing those particular tasks and seeing, okay, what is the best fit? Like, what is the role that would most likely fit a couple of these buckets of tasks so that we're not trying to squish everybody into this like all in one position, but looking at, okay, even though I have all of these things, 
this is the piece I want to outsource first. So I'll still continue doing my marketing, but I really want someone to be doing all the back end, you know, connecting of the system, scheduling of the email, setting up of the automations, like whatever it is, really kind of lumping that together. I agree with you that a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to get a virtual assistant because they can do all the things. And so I guess when you start to lump together like items and you're like, okay, this looks like it's three different people, but you're like how my budget is set up. (laughs) I can't necessarily hire three different people. How do you look to understand which is priority to hire and understanding, okay, this one first, then this one, then this one. That's a great question. So it comes back to two different pieces really. And the first is looking at what are the tasks that are So if we go back to this idea of revenue generating activities, right? We, as business owners, as the solopreneur who wants to really grow our business, we need to focus on the things that are going to be bringing in revenue. And so looking at all those tasks on your list, which ones are closest to revenue driving and which ones are furthest away, right? Like scheduling your social media is really not something that is going to be a big revenue driver for your business. And so having a look at those kinds of tasks that if you freed up, let's say 10 hours of your week on those menial menial to you tasks, but they still need to get done. What could you do with that 10 hours a week that would actually drive your revenue forward? And so that's what I like to look at is how long the task is taking, you know, how far away it is from the tasks that are going to be driving the revenue. And then, like I said, the second component is like, I might have a task that maybe takes me an hour a week to do, but I hate that task so much that I'm like dreading that hour that I have to do it each week. I'm going to outsource that first because it's not just the hour it takes me to do that task. It's all of the emotional piece and and the, you know, the mental fatigue behind that as I'm leading up to that task and the dread that I'm feeling. So personally in my business, I like to outsource those things first versus the tasks that maybe are a little bit cheaper to outsource. But this is where everyone has to kind of touch back in with themselves and see like, what is more important to me to get the little tasks off my plate so that I have a lot less on my to-do list or to get those ones that are really draining my energy and whichever direction you go is fine. It's just, you got to pick the one that's right for you and then, you know, commit to it and then start looking for the person to take those tasks. Amen to that. Yeah. That, that one hour that you're dreading is going to be exponentially worse than if someone takes off like a few hours of something that you like are okay with doing. I totally agree with that. All right. What's next? Well, now you need to actually write a job description (laughs) and so many people go out there, go to hire. And I've seen this a lot and they'll post in a Facebook group, like I need a VA and you get a whole bunch of responses back, but you need to actually write out that job description. So based on the tasks that you picked, you need to kind of have a look at what is entailed in those tasks in a little bit more detail. And what kind of skills does that person need to be able to carry out those tasks? Do they need skill in a particular system? Or is it more customer service focused where they need to have that skill and, you know, being more gentle with your audience and your customers. And some people are very like direct and to the point and other people are a little bit more geared to that customer service type response. And so really being able to list out not just everything that you want done, but also some of the softer personnel skills and also like those technical skills that like, if I'm hiring someone to run the back end of Infusionsoft, they need to know Infusionsoft because I'm not hiring them for me to be able to teach them. So, and that's another thing to really get clear on in your job description is whether or not you're willing to do some teaching or not. And again, you have to do what's right for you and your business. But if you are frazzled and at the brink and you have no more hours, then I would clearly state in my job description, like this is not a teaching position. 
you need to have these particular skills. And if you can't do these things in this particular platform, then, you know, this job is not a good fit for you because it's not a role where we're going to be teaching well onboard, but we're not going to be actually teaching how to do these particular things. Mm, Yeah. I think that is a big one. What would you say is the difference between onboarding and training? Because I feel like some people put those things together. Yeah. So I like to think of onboarding more as explaining how we do this in our company. So letting them know what our products are, what our services are, who our ideal audience is, really getting for them to get the feel of the company culture, the way we communicate, like more about the actual business itself than their specific role or their specific job. Cause they really, they need to know where they're going to be fitting into the larger picture. And if it's just you and them, that's fine, but they still need to understand again, your values, the way you kind of currently work with your audience, what kind of offers you even have out there for them to be able to see that bigger picture. So I see that as more of the onboarding thing. And then also that conversation of, okay, there's 15 different things I've put in this job description. Let's start putting these three on your plate. So kind of creating that plan of how they're going to be learning the way you do these certain things. And then part of onboarding obviously is for them to be going through your processes or your systems that you have already put in place. So, you know, they know how to work in Fusionsoft, but now you're going to tell them, this is the way we schedule our email out each week. Like it goes out on Wednesdays and this is the quality control check. And this is where you source the images from and whatever, like that to me is more onboarding versus teaching is like, okay, let's do this together. Let's go in. And I'm going to show you, here's you click. This is how you make a list. This is the tag we need added. And like, you're actually teaching the system. Got it. That totally makes sense. All right. And then anything after that? So phase two, the next step then is to attract that person that you want that right, you know, the right fit. So again, whether this is a one-off contractor or whether or not you're actually looking for ongoing support, you're going to need to announce that job position somewhere. And so writing up that job announcement, letting people know, you know, a brief description about what it is, deciding which platforms you want to use for recruiting. Okay. So for some people, they'll do an Instagram post. Maybe they'll post in a Facebook group, depending on who you're looking for. Like if you're looking more for like copywriters, things like that, you might actually post on LinkedIn and really kind of decide depending on the role that you're looking to fill, where's the most appropriate place to post that job announcement. And so you're going to write that job announcement, figure out where you're posting it and making sure you're clear within that posting how they can apply for that and what the deadline for application is. Those are the two biggest things I see missing from a lot of job announcements out there is like, okay, this was posted two weeks ago. Is Are they still hiring for this or has the position been filled? So if you post like a deadline for applications and then a link of how to apply right there in that post can be really, really helpful for attracting the people to your business. And then along with that, I like to actually have them fill out an application. So I like to use pre-screening before I'm going to be getting on a phone call with anybody and doing that, I'll set up like a Google form or you can use type forms or, you know, just something really simple and create a job application with the critical questions that you want to know about that person. And again, these can be based on your values. I love personality tests and assessments. And so on all of my applications, I ask them like what their Myers-Briggs is and what their Enneagram is and what their disc score is, or, you know, and I ask them a few of those kinds of things, just because I know like certain personality types are going to also work well with me, but also are more geared to doing certain types of tasks and different work together. So putting together that job application, gathering some of that information. So if you get 50 applicants, then you have a better idea of how to figure out which few you want to actually get on the phone with. 
Have you been hearing all the buzz about VIP days or one day virtual intensives and want to create one for your business, but have no idea where to start? Head over to systemsamey.com slash quiz and take our new 60 second quiz to determine what kind of VIP day you should create. You'll get a detailed report with action items and exclusive structuring tips straight from the mouths of successful VIP day business owners. Ready to take back control over your schedule, your energy, and your income? A VIP day might just be the way to do it. Get started today at systemsamey.com slash quiz. One more time, that's systemsamey.com slash quiz. All right, what is the next phase? So the next, you have to decide how you're going to narrow it down, right? You know, we'd like to get a lot of choice. Choice is great, but then sometimes it can be overwhelming. And so you have to then sort through those applicants and you're going to be narrowing it down and you can set whatever criteria it is that you like. Like if you're like me and you like personality assessments, you might set, they need to have a particular personality on their Myers-Briggs or something like that for you to consider moving on to the next phase. Or you might be looking more at the skill set. So another thing I'll ask in my applications is they have to rank their knowledge of a particular platform on a scale of one to five. And for me, anyone who ranks themselves as three or lower is automatically eliminated because we tend to also be harder on ourselves. So if you're only ranking yourself as a three, you probably don't have the knowledge that I need you to do if this is not a teaching position. So again, everybody has to figure out how they want to sort it. So you have to figure out what are going to be the top most important pieces of that application for you to screen through and then go through and narrow it down. And so I always try and do my first pass again, depending on how many applicants come in first pass comes through and I try and narrow it down to my top 10. And then from there I hit up social media and I go and I check out their Instagram profiles and their Facebook pages and anywhere else that I can kind of find them on social media and have a look at what are the kinds of things that they're, they're posting and are those consistent with Because one of the things I always ask is their core values. And so is what they're posting in alignment with the core values they've told me they have in their application. And, you know, I just kind of use that to kind of vet them a little bit more. And then I narrow it down again to get my list down to somewhere between three and five candidates. Got it. Perfect. Yeah, I agree that three to five candidates is probably the max. And if you are struggling, if you have eight or 10 or whatnot, what are those, again, kind of prioritizing okay, what out of the eight or 10 people, like, how do you then start to whittle them down to get down to the three to five that that really make the most sense? So that's when I go back to, so the job application, like the pre-qualifying forms, I have them fill out. Yes, have those personality questions. And then the next set is them ranking their skills. But then there's a third piece that requires long form answers. And so I'll ask them, you know, I'll give them a scenario, a hypothetical, how would you respond to this? For me, communication is really, really important for me in my business. It's a pet peeve of mine, but also a core value. And so I'll give them a question where I'm looking to see how they would communicate or respond in that particular situation. And so that's when I'm actually going in and reading in detail the answers to those questions is when I'm trying to figure out how to narrow it down from my eight to 10 to my three to five. And it really is looking at those responses automatically. Anybody who's just responded, I don't know, or whatever you tell me or something like that is eliminated because they're not actually taking the time to think through the response. And they're not demonstrating a level of leadership as well, because as much as I am going to be the CEO or the leader of the team, I still want people who are going to have a little bit of problem solving. They're going to be a little bit forward thinking, and they're going to bring me some options when we run into a problem. And so if their response in the application is, I don't know, whatever you tell me to do, I'm like, "Mm, you're going to be 
a little bit harder to manage. You're going to be someone who's going to be very task oriented rather than somebody who's likely going to be outcome oriented. And so those are just a couple of things I use in those questions to figure out who I want to kind of interview going forward. Nice. That totally makes sense. All right. What is next after that? So then we, you have to, you know, pre-screen those people. So you're going to set up your interview with those three to five candidates, your initial screening interview. And so doing that, you need to develop what kind of interview questions you're going to ask them. What are you going to figure out when you get on the call? What is it you're going to say to these people in order to find out the information you need? And this is where it's really beneficial if you've never interviewed anyone before to make sure you're looking up the regulations in the state that you're in as well. Because even when you're hiring a contractor or a solopreneur, like there's still things you can't ask them on an interview, right? You can't ask them if they're married. You can't, you know, like there's certain things you just can't ask. And so you want to make sure that you actually develop a set of interview questions instead of just, you know, going off the cuff, because you want to make sure that you don't inadvertently ask those kinds of questions. But again, there's also ways to find out that information without asking them. And so you might want to set up a question that might lead them into giving you the answers to to some information if it's really pertinent to your position. So I like to develop a set of seven to 10 questions. And I don't always ask all of them when I'm on the interview, depending on how it's going. Some of them are a little bit more detailed. Again, those behavioral scenarios of, you know, how would you handle this kind of thing? And then what I do at this point too, is I'm also creating a scorecard. And so on that scorecard, it's just, you know, five prompts or five things that I'm scoring them on throughout the interview. Because if you're interviewing three to five people, you can't always remember all of those little details. And so I'll pick, you know, a couple of key things for me about their response to a particular question, whether they showed up on time, you know, what was their presence during the interview? Were they distracted? Did they have like thing, you know, a lot of things going on in the background. Like at one person I was hiring for one of my other clients, they were taking the call from their car. And I was like, mm, okay, well, <laughs> if you can't, you know, prioritize 20 minutes for a screening interview for within some peace and quiet, I'm not sure how it's going to go when we're launching. So, you know, looking at developing, I would say about five points on your scorecard that you can kind of score candidates across. And so again, I like to go back to my core values, things that are really important to me, communication, you know, respecting and honoring people's time, like those kinds of things. And that's how I set my scorecard up. And then I mark each candidate out of five on each of those areas. So they get a total score of 25. And then that way, when I'm nearing the end of this, you know, I can then cross reference between my, the notes I've taken on an interview and what I've gotten on their scorecard to see if I can narrow it down even further to even one or two candidates at that particular time. Mm, Yeah. I like that there's that scorecard. So, you know, exactly what you should be identifying. And again, like, yeah, the whole, like, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, you don't need to wear like a suit or anything to our interviews, but if you can't be stable and like, (laughs) focused, then yeah, that would definitely come across as, as an interesting dilemma again, with just, you know, depending on your business, what you have going on. So I like that you brought that up as an example um, for people to use. So, and then after that, you bring them down to one or two and then what happens? So at that point, I like to give them a a little bit of a test project. And so this will depend on what it is you're hiring for. If you're hiring for graphics or if you're hiring for administrative support or a community manager, like whatever it is, I like to give them a small test project, something that'll take them less than 30 minutes. We don't want them to be having to put a lot of time and effort into this when they're not even hired on our team. And then, I mean, there's two schools of thought. I like to pay a flat fee for that test project just because I don't know, I just value 
to me, it's just part of my values. Like, so if I'm going to be asking you to do something for my business, I'm going to pay them X amount of dollars. So I will give them a test project and say like, you'll be paid $30 for this particular test project. And it should only take you X amount of time. And again, the project needs to be geared to whatever it is they're going to be doing in the business so that you can measure the quality that you're getting back with, again, within a 30 minute time frame. So you have to be mindful of that. Like I would never ask someone to put together a whole project plan in 30 minutes, but what could they realistically get done within that time frame for you to be able to see their quality of their work and the level of questions they might come back with you. So I like to do that because then you're going to be able to kind of get a little bit of a taste of how they work and what they deem to be like the final output for that particular task. And then from there, I look at the two and then I make my decision as to which person I'm going to hire based on, again, everything, the the call notes, the scorecard, and then this outcome of this project. And then we shift into phase five, which is hiring that person. And so this is where then you can kind of put the offer out there, let them know like it's this many hours a week, or it's, you know, this project, like creating five emails or whatever it is, right? Sometimes we hire by a specific number of out of deliverables. And sometimes we hire by a certain number of hours per week, if it's an ongoing position and then put it out there to them and see what they say. And more often than not at that point, they say yes, because my job descriptions always include like very detailed amount of number of hours, the rate of pay, all of that kind of stuff. So they know before they even enter the interview process, what that is. And then we, you know, put the offer out there, you sign the contract, the the non-disclosure agreement, and then we set up the meeting to do a kickoff call to start onboarding them into the team. Which is the super fun part. And then they get to be part of your culture. And that's really like the exciting part is really then once somebody's chosen, it's like, all right, like here's where we really begin to cultivate the relationship and all of that, which is always super exciting. So that was awesome and super thorough. And I think people will really be able to take away one, if not many nuggets to adjust their hiring. If you've already hired people before, and if you're just starting out, like this is a great roadmap for you to start to begin the process. So now let's move into the tools. So are there certain tools that you want to nerd out on for a minute or two that our audience should take a look at for different areas of their business? Yeah. Well, with what I do, I love project management systems. And so I'm a big believer that even if you're a solopreneur, you should be starting to set things up in a project management system. I mean, it just saves so much brain space for you, but also then you're ready so that when you do bring on a contractor or a part-time team member or whomever you hire, you've already got that part set up so that you can really start bringing them in to the business right away and start offloading some of those tasks that are already input into the system. It's just a matter of flipping the icon over from you to them. And it's tasked out to them. So I love ClickUp and Asana, depending on if you're like super creative and project management is totally not your thing. Asana is an easier interface to pick up and learn. But if you're somebody who is like more detail oriented and likes different levels of breaking things down and being able to set different statuses for different level, like me, like a project management nerd, I love ClickUp. There's just, it's such a robust platform. Same. I am obsessed with ClickUp, but yeah, if you are not, you know, well-versed in project management, I always tell people to start in Asana and get your feet wet for sure. Cause the robustness of ClickUp can definitely overwhelm you a little bit if you aren't used to all the wings and dings and things. So I love that you, that mentioned as well. And so with that, if people want to learn more from you and get all the things, definitely share any free resources as well as social media and your website. 
Well, if you want to connect with me, the place I hang out most is in my Facebook group. And so I have a Facebook group called How to Scale Past Six Figures as an online copywriter or service provider. And so I'm hanging out in there, doing lives, answering questions. And then I'm also active on Instagram. So you can find me at Kristen.Westcott on Instagram. I love to have audio DM conversations back and forth with people there on Instagram. So I'm just trying out Clubhouse now. We'll see how that goes. But predominantly, those are the two places you can find me. And my website is www.kristenwestcottmedia.com. And I would love to share my focus framework with you. And so the focus framework allows you to self segment into whether or not you're in the startup phase, growth phase, or like scaling towards that million. And you get to download a PDF that is unique to whatever um, phase of business growth you're in. And it will give you ideas of what you need to focus on in that area of growth for your strategy, your structure of your team and your time, your systems, and like areas that you might be looking at for support. And so it's really broken down by the phase of business that you're in because on online space, it's, you know, we can really get distracted by trying to do things that other people are doing, but they're in a completely different phase of business growth. And so I've broken that down super clear. You can download the one for your phase of business and then just kind of follow through on a couple of the tips to help you move forward to the next phase. Awesome. Easy enough. All the links will be in the show notes and description to make it real easy for you to connect with Kristen. So thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and making outsourcing and hiring super, super simple. So thanks. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.